Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. Um, We're glad you're here. We've been in the middle of a series of messages. I think I've did, uh, I think this should be the third message. Uh, We're teaching on the, uh, doing a series of messages on the Holy Spirit. So uh, today I want to preach. uh, just uh, a message about uh, being empowered uh, by the Holy Spirit, and I want to go out of Acts chapter one. Um, I just want to say um, when we uh, Catherine released that word, I feel like that um, that that was a word really for all of us. And um, I was going to share with you a dream that I had, and um, I guess share my own sin or whatever. Having those confessions good for the soul sometimes, but. Um, Somebody said, my God, that preacher Jay fit to share his own sin. But listen to me. Um, uh, it's amazing how we call getting drunk a sin, but we don't call overeating a sin. Hello. <laughs> we call smoking dope a sin, but we don't talk about when we talk about people. Bring a negative light as a sin. Come on now. And so anyhow, Friday morning, I guess it was, yeah, it was Friday morning, wasn't it? I woke up at like uh, quarter to five. 4.30, somewhere around that range, but uh, I had a dream, and when I dreamed the dream, I knew it was from the Lord. Anytime I dream something from God, I'll usually sit straight up, and uh, in this dream that I, um, um, I saw two planes, and the two planes, there was a big jet and a smaller jet, and the two planes were like competing with one another, almost like fighting in the air, if you will. And um, the plane would come down real low. They would go up high, and they were chasing one another. And I remember where I was standing at. Um, I knew the exact location that I was standing. I wasn't standing in this city. I was actually standing in another city. In another city, and I was standing in front of a like a news um, uh, carrier place, like where they print the newspaper. And so. Uh, the jets were fighting, and then the jet came down low, and I saw the jet crash, and the jet went up into flames or whatever. And I was sitting there, and I was like, you know, I mean, oh, my God, those people just died. I mean, that, that plane just went down. And um, and so anyhow, um, they were uh, – I remember a person told me in the dream, they said a name, and his first name was John, but it had a different last name. So praise God that wasn't me in the plane, you know. Having those dreams are metaphors, but God's speaking to us. Sometimes I said, you know, I tell the Lord, so if you could just speak real country English to me, I would appreciate it. But how many know it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory, it's the honor of a king to get up and search it out. God to give us metaphors and pictures, but he expects us to get in there and mine it out what he's saying. And so anyhow, when they told me that the man had... Um, uh, died and said that his wife was on board with him. They were only two people in the plane. Said that they they they, they crashed or whatever. Anyhow, they were dead. And this is what he said to me in the dream. The person that I was talking to said, "For he owned a lot of land. He owned a pile of land. But this is what they said. But he has impeded his land out to another farmer." And I'm like, what? You know, first of all, uh, I didn't know. So I immediately jumped up. My phone always stays by my bed. And I grabbed, um, you know, sometimes you pray about it. If you don't hear nothing, you go to Google. Y'all right? How many's tired in here? Wave your hand and say you're live. I'm pre- I'm, I got a lot of word in here. I'm tired too. We didn't, I didn't get in the bed about 2.30. But um, 
And so, uh, listen to this. Uh, where, where was I at? Right here. Um, first of all, I thought about this. Now, let me say this about talking about people. I was sharing with my own sin, and I, I was sharing with Matt this week because we talk about one of the things that kill revival, and I did a whole message on this, um, is how many knows in the book of James, chapter 3, there's uh, where if you got a King James or a New King James, what it'll have the headline is it'll say earthly wisdom in there. And it says where there's envy and jealousy, do not lie against the truth. Is that what it says? For this does not come from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. And so I felt like the Lord, and I told Matt, I said, I have never struggled with envy or jealousy hardly. Maybe in my early days I did inside the church. I have the ability to get at the back of the room if God's using Travis or if God wants to use Clay. And I mean, I'm right on. My God, I can toot the horn. But you know where I struggle with envy the most when it comes to my children? Nobody don't? And so I felt like the Lord was showing me in the dream Son, you pushing your child to be the best athlete that he can be, and you trying to chase a bigger plane. But if you don't stop that, you're going to impede land. How many knows this land? They were the promised land. Land is promises. It's inheritance. Are you with me now? And the word impede means to hinder or slow down. So let me just let let me just interpret you what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. If you talk about people, you are hindering. And slowing down your promises. That's a good word. So what I need to do is say, Father, I'm asking by your grace and mercy, forgive me of my sin. Lord, I do not want to hinder or slow down my promises. Because you know I need them to come rapidly and speedily. You with me? All right, let's go right here in the Word. I'm like, my gosh, I can't believe that. How many knows this, though? This is it's very true what I'm saying. How many knows that Israel was not held out of the promised land because they were smoking dope? I don't know why I'm on that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they were not held out because they were whoremongers. They were held out because they were complaining with their mouth. All right, let's get off of that. Let's hold another subject. I'm going to be hunting cubby quail. Acts chapter 1. Uh, verse 4. I'm going to preach a message called Empowered by the Holy Spirit, okay? We're, we're in, uh, we did the first message on who is the Holy Spirit. We did the second message on the person or communing, communion with the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk about Empowered with the Holy Spirit. i got a ton of ground to cover, so let's go fast. I won't speak no longer than what you are able to bear if I have to. So we just, we just got a ton of ground to cover. How many knows that, um, and all of us come from different backgrounds, okay? Some was raised Pentecostal, some's raised Catholic. We're all from all kind of different backgrounds. But it's according to your background and your raising to what, really what, how you see the Word of God. Do you believe that? Just like we speak with accents, we see with accents. Really, you see in the Bible what you're prepared to see. You, you're alive? We see what we're prepared to see. It's just like this. If I had a bucket with all kind of different flags in it, and I tell you to, I say, okay, take, take 30 seconds to examine this bucket. There's a bucket of 100 flags inside this bucket, and they're all different colors, and I say, I want you to pick out the red ones. And you, uh, your eyes are, and then I, after, after 30 seconds, I say, close your eyes. Now, how many 
blue or silver flags were in that bucket. You never saw the silver buckets because you were looking for the red ones. Are you with me? This is the same way we do the Word of God. It's according to the background of our raising that we, that how we look and interpret Scripture, okay? But what I found is we have to let the Bible interpret the Bible. Are you with me? Alright. So, what I'm saying is this. It's great that you get saved. With me? But we all in this room, if we're going to carry on a work for God, if we want to see signs, wonders, and miracles, which they are for today, hello, got to make that announcement first. They are for the day. Jesus expects you to do them. Mark 16 says these signs shall follow those that believe. They don't follow preachers. They don't follow worship leaders. They're supposed to follow those what? Who believe. So if we're going to do the works of Jesus, we're going to have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. So let's look at this. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now look at this. Let's read it again. And he being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now this is after the cross, Jesus is talking. We know according to the book of Corinthians that Jesus was seen by over 500, right? Y'all with me? He was seen by 500 and he told 500 people to go to Jerusalem and wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus didn't ask them. This is not what the Bible says. He didn't ask them. He didn't suggest maybe you should go to Jerusalem. He commanded them. He said, get up and get to Jerusalem and don't and wait till you are endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. What he's saying here, don't preach the gospel. Don't start a church. Don't try to get in the ministry. Wait on the power of the Spirit to come upon your life and empower you to do what you couldn't do alone. Now let's look at Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture, if you will. I'm going to teach. Um, but i got to lay the groundwork here. Luke chapter 24. Verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry into, just, into the, the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. If you got a new international version of the, uh, of the Bible in front of you, that word, in, they read it like this. Go tarry into Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, many believe this, that when I get saved, many, many teach this, when I get saved, that I receive everything that I need the moment I get saved. Is, how, how many has been taught that? Am I the only one? 
I received everything I need at the moment I'm saved. If that's true, then Asher, or John Bentley, my second son, received everything he needed the moment he was born. How many believed he received everything he needed the moment he was born? What happens when I get saved, first of all, we're going to go through this. I, gotta lay, I want to lay groundwork because I want, you to, to, I want you to have knowledge. If you got the knowledge of it, are you with me now? It'll lead you into the experience of it. So when I get saved, my, according to the book of Ephesians, I'm dead in the trespasses of sin. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're dead. Lord, we've got to work hard in here. I'm dead in a trespass of sin. Once I become born again, my spirit is awakened or alive in Christ. Are you with me now? And the spirit of Jesus Christ is alive on the inside of me. Are you with me? I know that because the Bible says, Paul says, no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. Now, how do I get saved? I believe on the Lord Jesus. There's no prayer. I know we take Romans 10 and we go through that 9 and 10 and we try to lead people down the Romans road, okay? But in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the Bible says they believed. Once you believe on the Lord Jesus in your heart, there's a lot of people praying pray the prayer because a preacher's telling them to recite it, but it nothing happens in the heart. Once man believes in his heart, he is now born again. We see this in the Old Testament when, when, when the children of Israel exited out of Egypt, they went through a baptism of the Red Sea. Is that right? And it says they were baptized into Moses. As they crossed the Red Sea, what was happening? The enemy was still after them. There was no land being taken, but yet they were on a journey. They come up to a second river, which is the River Jordan. This is not a sea. This is a flooding river that is out of the banks at flood stage. When they go into this river, which is a second baptism, if you will, now they are empowered to go take a land that God said they had. On that side of the Jordan, the enemy chased them. On this side of the Jordan, they chased the enemies out of that land. Hello. and Gosh, help me right here. One of the things that we do is we try to tell people, we hand them a Bible and we say, go get free in God. We're, they'll never be free in God until they are empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk away from certain things. My life did not change because I went to Sunday school. My life was changed when I had an encounter with God and that presence came upon my life. That's what transformed my life. All right. Now, look at this in John chapter 20. I'm just trying to lay groundwork here. Okay, so he's telling the disciples to go to Jerusalem. These men seen Jesus do extraordinary things. How many knows you're an amazing day when you're traveling in Luke chapter 7, you come to the city of Nain, there is a widow bearing her son, and all of a sudden Jesus stops the funeral procession and he wrecks that funeral. He raises that boy out of the coffin. How many knows it? How did he do that? He did not do that as God. Oh boy, I'm... I'm t- <laughs> if he did it as God, then then we have no hope. But he did it as a man. How do you know that? 
Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good, healing all that was sick or oppressed of the devil. I know Jesus was God, but listen, when he left heaven, he, lay aside, he laid aside his deity to come down here and pick up humanity to become one of us. And how he did what he did, he did as a man clothed with what I'm preaching about this morning. He was a man yielded unto God, full of the Holy Spirit, being saturated with it, being rubbed. That's why his name is Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. Christ is Christos, smeared with the anointing of God. He was saturated with heaven's glory. That's how he... I feel like preaching right here. I feel Pentecostal all of a sudden. Miss Ruby, I feel it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, he was clothed with all of heaven. And listen, in the Old Testament, if a Jew touched a leper, they became leprous. But this man, Jesus, who was saturated by God, when he touched lepers, lepers, she left them. It didn't came on, it did not come upon him. So with this thing, I'm gonna try to quit hollering. So many, so the disciples, did they receive the Holy Ghost in the upper room or did they already receive it? Let's look at what the Bible says. Let's look right here in John chapter 20. Verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, this is, after the res- this is after the resurrection. So Jesus said to them, again, peace to you, and as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, he said to them, look at this. He said to them, peace be to you, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, is, is Jesus foreshadowing at this moment to his disciples what will happen 50 days, the day of Pentecost? Pentecost is not a denomination. It's a feast. That's why if you go to a Pentecostal church, this is the way we look. We feast. Y'all ain't never been up. How many? I better quit. We feast. It, that's what it means. It means feast. And it also means 50. 50 days over Passover, right? After Passover is when the day of Pentecost came. Boy, there's so many rabbits jumped up right there, but I can't get on all those. Listen, so the Greek word means receive means immediately right now. So when Jesus breathed on his disciples, they were filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. Now, I believe this because 500 heard get to Jerusalem and tarry, right? I believe they took off. They went to Jerusalem, got up in the upper room. They're praying. Jesus said, get up here and wait that there's power coming from on high going to get upon our lives and fill us. Day one, probably at the end of day one, Someone said, man, Peter, this is crazy. We're going back to our church. Left. Somewhere along the line, they lost 380 members out of that upper room. 
Because we know according to Scripture there was 120 at the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover. I want to get in the rapture. Right? I'm telling you, it's so big right there, but I ain't going to get in that. Let's <laughs> just cut that out. Delete that out. Listen. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. So we know that they're, they're, they're filled right now. So we go get into Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost, if you was raised Pentecostal, you know this verse of Scripture. It was taught to you when you were in diapers. Woo! I told you the difference between Pentecostals, they jerk. Charismatics just. So listen, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues, look at this, as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. What sat upon each of them? A divided tongue. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This word filled means to be satiated, which means to supply in excess. Those in the upper room were filled to, uh, 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 to excess. Now the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, Be ye not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Now, Here's it that, that all of a sudden these men are gathered in this room. The Bible doesn't say that a rushing mighty wind went in there. It says the sound of it. There was a sound of a vortex happening in this upper room. Divided tongues like a fire is split up and it sets set upon each of them. Is that what we just read? And it says, now the Spirit of God was giving them the utterance to speak in another tongue. People get freaked out over tongues. I don't understand why that's such a big issue. I'm going to take probably Wednesday night or sometime and do a whole series on the four different types of tongues. But here's the thing. People don't fall out when they go to Walmart and they see a Spanish person speaking in Spanish. There's all different nationalities gathered right here in Jerusalem. There's all kind of family clans that are gathering into Jerusalem. And each has a native tongue. Are you with me? Now what's amazing is it says that these men were speaking in different tongues. How many knows if you, spoke in, if you speak in Portuguese, you're speaking in a different tongue than what your native tongue is? My native tongue is country. That's why the Lord is not going to send me to New York. We had, at the, my last church I pastored, I had a New Yorker in there, and she would always say, Now, Pastor John, what does that mean? I see me after church. So listen, I, my native tongue. But if I speak Spanish, that's not my native tongue. What happened is God come in this room, divided tongues went upon each person, and they all begin to speak. Listen, and the people outside of that room begin to hear the marvelous works of God in their own language. And now they gathered it. How, how am I hearing? How am I hearing Spanish when this brother is not from Spain? 
how am I hearing English when they're Dutch? And, they, and all of a sudden these people are hearing in their own language the wonderful works of God. Now let's go on right here. Let's dig deeper. Now, let's go to verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Um, they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Look, are not all these speak uh, uh, Galileans? And how is it that we hear in our own language in which we were born? Now, look at verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, They're drunk. This will be the three signs of every true move of God. Some will be amazed, some will be perplexed, others will leave mocking. They're going to mock. They said, these, these, these dudes are drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. They're a bunch of alcoholics. You got a problem if you're drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. Y'all okay? These dudes are, these, these people are drunk. What it allowed, listen to me, it allowed the platform for Peter to stand on to preach the goodness of Christ and 3,000 men we know gave their heart to the Lord that day. Are you with me? Now, let's look at this. I'm preaching this in a hurry. There's four counts of the, of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit coming on the church in, in the book of Acts. I'm going to go through those accounts, okay? But notice this. I want you to notice two things. In, every, in all but one of the accounts, the, the infilling of the Spirit is separate from the salvation experience. Are we all in this room together, right? So the infilling of the Spirit of God, the empowerment of the Spirit, is a different experience from the salvation experience. It's quiet. Some help me in here. Now that goes against the grain if you thought you got the package. Oh, I got everything at salvation. Oh, that's what I was taught till I went to another church. I said, they teach you some of the Bible. We, did, we, we overlook some of this now. Y'all ain't never been in one that overlooked some of it. Huh? We overlook some of it. You know, there's churches that handle snakes. We overlook that part. <laughs> you bring out the rattler, we bring, I'm bringing out the gun. I'm tell, I don't care who y'all. I'm shooting him. That's the only one I'm going to handle. I love all snakes, dead ones. You can handle them and hold them and claim Mark 16 if you want to. But I'm telling you right now, I'm overlooking that. I ain't building no doctrine around Mark chapter 16. You know what I believe that's, I believe the true meaning of that where you can drink any harmful thing? That means if you're doing God's will, somebody's trying to trip you up and poison you, you can drink it. If you give thankfulness unto God, God will break that off of it. But I ain't fixing to go drink no strychnine and test him this evening. Come on now, use your head. We take common sense out of We're not going hunting this evening and go down there and grab a, a timber rattler. God, you said. No, listen. He says, shoot his head off, then throw him out the way. That's the Spirit of God. Boy, I feel it. I'm letting you right now. Man, Jesus. Listen, so it's a separate experience. Number two. 
those who witnessed the empowerment both saw and heard evidence that the Spirit of God came upon new believers. You hear what I said? First of all, it's an experience after I'm saved. With me? Second of all, those who were around saw and heard evidence she just got filled. Well, you know, I've, man, I've, been, I've heard it all. I'm just trying to cover some things. Well, you know, salvation, worship is inward. Worship's an inward thing. And then that same person to go to whoever you like. You know, there's a lot of Gator fans over here. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Jesus. No, hear me. If you had a Gator game or Bulldog game, whatever, okay, I like the Braves. The Braves teach us a lot of things about it. You know what I'm saying? They teach you how to deal with disappointment. <laughs> I, they, they teach me spiritual stuff. That's why I watch them. They take me to the top, drop me down. Got to learn how to. He's caught in the valley. Get us to the World Series and then we leave out of it. You know what I'm saying? We got, all got journey on. Don't stop. Believe. I'm going to quit. So here. <laughs> Gosh, I'm not even. I gotta get. That it's an inward thing. Listen, worship is not an inward thing. It's an outward expression of my joy for God. We sang the song, it might get wild, it might get crazy. Listen, go tell Bartimaeus, listen, the church told him, be quiet, you're making too much noise. Listen, the louder he got, but he stopped Jesus in his tracks. Worship is not about your neighbor. It's not what I think about. It's what your heart is offering up to God. And David said this, you cannot offer it up to God that doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you nothing to sit down and fold your hands, but it does cost you something to look like a fool and raise your hands when nobody's got their hands raised. To get out and dance your jig, it costs you something. And David said, I will not offer to God that that doesn't cost me anything. Are you with me? Now, so, two things. One, there's something that's going to come upon me after I'm saved to empower my life to do the works of Jesus. Second, there's going to be a noticeable sign. They're going to hear it and see it that the Spirit of God came upon my life. Now, let's go. We've got to hurry. Got a lot of ground to cover. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. You okay? Acts chapter 8. I want to go through these. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Notice he didn't preach his denomination. He didn't carry his church bulletin. He didn't care what he read off the internet. He went and preached Christ. I'm almost tempted to put He didn't go down there and preach Jesus. <laughs> he preached Christ. 
See, what I've found out that most people don't get offended when you talk about Jesus. Some, most people, even the folk that don't like him, believe he was a prophet. But they will get upset with you when you start preaching Christ. That's Christos, the anointed one. That means he's going to make a change. He's going to make a difference. See, preaching Christos is different than just preaching Jesus. Come down here and give your heart to the Lord and everything's going to be all right. That's an absolute lie. He told us in the book that he said, listen. He said, I'm going to send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He told you what the, what the drop zone was going to look like. Huh? When you got in the plane that says, I give my heart to the Lord, what you really heard inside the jet was, good morning, Vietnam. Anybody else in here with me? He said it's going to be rough, didn't he? And listen, if he said if he gave you the instruction, I'm going to never leave you nor forsake you, you know there are going to be some times when you felt like he forsaked you. It's going to be rough. But what he said is I'm not going to leave you alone. What took me through the Garden of Gethsemane is what I'm going to send down on your life. Are you with me? What took me when they wanted to stone me and throw me out of the city because I stood up in, in the synagogue and quoted Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and said, hey, the Spirit of God is upon me. Not to make me look good, not to make me preach good, but to heal the sick, cast out devils, and raise the dead. When he preached that message, it said that they threw him out of the temple and tried to stone him. Get out of here. You talk about, well, now we got to make a change. You mean to tell me that... No, what we like is the little Jesus that's still in the manger. That you can stay on Prozac and every other thing and tell you, well, just live with depression, cope with it the best you can. No, there's a God that delivers, friend. Hello, you don't have to leave the earth sick, depressed. Mm, yeah, yeah. So he goes down and he preaches Christ. This is the message he's preaching. He doesn't take Jesus in the manger. He takes the resurrected, powerful Jesus. He's coming into that city. He's preaching Christ. You know what he's saying? Bring me those that are bound. Bring them up here. Bring me the ones in a wheelchair. Now look at this. How do you know this? The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Look at this. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. I hate to give you a news flash, but there is people possessed on the earth. Listen, a dude that what takes an AK-47 in a school and kills children, he ain't influenced by a video game. He's got demons in him. Hello? Well, let me get to tell you this. I had somebody, what was it, about 1 o'clock in the morning, got a call. Pastor, listen here. We praying over somebody, we trying to cast a demon out of them. Now, I don't look for boogers in every corner. You follow me? I told Cassie, this probably ain't a demon. <laughs> so they send me the live feed of them praying. I said, oh, my God, that's a demon right there. <laughs> Get out of there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they told me, we don't know if we can handle him. I, so I went and started quoting. I said, listen, yeah, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Bible said the weakest one among us could cast them out. Because they're not coming out on your goodness. Now, you better be in Christ. Are you with me? Now, don't be down there on your mom and daddy's relationship. Seven sons of Sceva went down there on Paul's relationship, and they got stripped naked. Ray Stevens wrote the song about them. 
I'm, I'm, listen to this. Eyes rolled back in the head. Blood coming out of the forehead forming a cross. That's a demon. I'm running revival one night. I've got a prayer line going. You know what I'm saying? Um, I get to this. He, he was a, a teenager. Big kid. And I asked him, I said, I said, I said son, you saved. And I had to be 19 or 20 years old. And uh, so he wasn't much, you know, wasn't like I, he, was, he was about my age. You know what I'm saying? I said, are you saved? He said, yes. I'm telling you the Spirit of God said, no, he's not. I said, brother, let me ask you something. I said, now, you, are you saved? Are you born again? I didn't ask him if he went to church. we got to tear that lie down. In the South, we think because we associate going to church, the Bible don't say if any man's in church, he's a new creation. It says if he be in Christ, he's a new creature. There's a difference between being in church and being in Christ. You can actually be in Christ and not be in church. Hello? Mm. So I asked him. I said, you're born again? He said, yes, sir. The Spirit of God said, no, he's not. I said, okay, there's something going on here. So I said, I'll tell you what, how about let's do this. Will you pray the sinner's prayer with me? He said, yeah, I'll pray the sinner's prayer with you. Now he's, already, now he's looking at my feet. Now we're losing eye contact. That's a sure sign. The Bible says the eyes are the gateway to the soul. That's why I'm looking at them. A lot of times, I mean, if I know you, I'm going to pray with my eyes closed. If I don't know you, I'm watching I had a man tell me one time I was going to pray for me. I had my eyes closed. He said, never close your eyes. Look at them. So I said this. I get to the part where Jesus is Lord. Oh, my. When I said, and Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, he looked up. And when he looked up, his eyes were solid white. And he hit the floor like he fell out. When he hit the floor like he fell out, he slithered probably about eight feet like a snake, just like that right there across the floor. I'll never forget it. In the church I was at, I was about 19 or 20 years old. The, um, I was actually preaching for a pastor that I don't believe he was there that night. No, he was not there that night, and I was preaching for him on a Wednesday night, and here I got a demon-possessed guy, and the elder of the church, one of the elders was on the left-hand side. And I said, this man's demon-possessed. I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth. I said, this man's demon-possessed. we got to cast the devil out of him. The elder took his Bible, went out the side door of the church, and left. <laughs> At this moment, listen, I was, I was young, so it was big when the, the theology deal, we had to have all this theology running around. So we all had the key, the keyword study Bible. I don't know if you, how many knows what I'm talking about. The keyword King James keyword study Bible is about that thick. So it's what I had. Got all the Greek and Hebrew, everything in it. You know what I'm saying? The maps, everything. The footprints of Jesus, everything's in that Bible. This is what I got. So when he did, not only did he slither like a snake, he sprang straight up, set straight up. And I'm telling you, he growled with a growl you ain't never heard. And he said, worship me and I'll spare you. And I, I took that key word study Bible. I don't, do not do this. I hit him dead on the forehead. I said, devil is a lie went down. And I mean, I'm on top of him. I mean, we going at it. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling that devil to come out. They ain't got nobody. And then finally, I had some women that believed in God that come around. Elders done left. I mean, he's burning. We heard him peel out the parking lot. That's a true story. Got him free. I told you other story. Had a call from the, from the hospital on Sunday night. 
And they called me and said, listen, we got a person down here demonized. I said, it's a patient. No, it's a nurse. I said, I said, listen, I'm telling you, it's not a devil. Just pray with the person. It's not a devil. I, I'm telling you, Pastor John, it's a devil. If I've ever seen a demon, it's a devil. It's manifested. And um, I said, okay. So I get, I get, in the, get another guy to go with me and get in the truck. We pull up, and the, the person is across the street. The person's across the street. And as we park the vehicle, I'm telling you, when my foot hit the ground, just like that, she turned like an owl. And when she turned like an owl, I mean she was spitting like 30 feet. I said, that's a demon right there, friend. Security guard was coming up just like this. I told him, I said, sir, I don't know what you believe. I said, but I'm telling you right now, we're fishing cast the devils out of this girl right here. And uh, he's and the first thing, he's, I plead the blood of Jesus right now. I mean, he was over there pleading the blood. Listen, them telling you a true story. This girl's parents come up in a crown vic. You can hear them grinding the tires. Am I telling them a story? It's the truth. Got out with the family Bible. The mama hit her with the family. I'm talking about a, like a two-foot Bible. Hit her, opened it, put it over the head. I said, my, get all this off. This ain't going to do nothing. First of all, we bind that thing. I didn't want to, I didn't want that de that demon took possession of the body. Do you understand? To bring embarrassment to the girl. We bound that demon from manifest. You're not going to spit. You're not going to puke. You're not going to do anything. We take authority over you right now through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the finished work he did on the cross. According to the book of Colossians, he made an open shame of you and stripped you down. And we stand in his power, not in our own might. So we bind you right now from manifesting. And I'm telling you by the name of Jesus, you come out of that girl right now and that thing left running are you with me after that was over she had no listen so then we restored that girl back and just keep from bringing an embarrassment to her I went on a long rabbit trail listen so this is the message of what's happening where Philip is preaching I mean these powers showing up now let's go on right here gosh I'm never going to finish this listen to this Go down to verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. So what happened? Philip phones back to headquarters. Guys, I'm telling you right now, I'm running one heck of a revival down here in Samaria. Listen, demons coming out, people getting healed, wheelchairs. We got, I mean, we got it going on down here. You know what they said? Uh, we need to send two guys. We need to send... Uh, uh, Peter and John, we need to load them up and send them down there. Because he's casted the devil out. Now they're clean. They're going to have to have the power to stay clean. Man, there ain't nobody helping me up in this place. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Look at this. For as yet he had fallen on none of them. They had only been what? Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What happened? They were saved. They had been water baptized. But they wasn't endued with no power. Gosh, is anybody in the book with me this morning? They were saved, baptized. Peter dunked them in the river. I mean, Philip did. If you ever been around an evangelist, I mean, he ain't staying around to get nobody healed or nothing. I mean, he's throwing the word out. He's demonstrating power, wonders, and miracles, want to get them in the tank, then he's ready to get to the next city. Now they send the apostles back in here, and they said, listen, 
For he had fallen on none of them, so they what? Laid their hands on them. This is where we get the ministry of laying on of hands. For what? Impartation. We got to go hurry right here. All right, now let's go to go to Acts chapter nine. Man, time ain't flying as bad as I thought it was. Hold on, hold on. We got to go back. Go back to Acts chapter eight. I, I, I missed something right here. This is why you write notes. Short pencil, better than long memory. Hear me? Now look at this. They get filled with the Spirit. Well, somebody says this. Now, you know one thing that I don't like about them Pentecostal people because when they go down there and lay hands on you. Now, I have been in some... I've, I've, just, had, I've just had the privilege of being around the block, okay? I preach in a lot of... I've been preaching gospel since I was 18. I've preached in a lot of churches. Catherine, tell you, me and her's about passed out all a couple times. <laughs> I'm serious. I've been in them where they, where, they, where, they, where they hold you down. Some are screaming, hold on. The others saying, let go. You don't know what to do. I seen a guy that had a demon in him. He finally told him at the front, he said, listen, just leave him in there. He ain't hurt me as bad as y'all are. <laughs> There's a lot of people, Harvey, you know I'm telling the truth, they need deliverance from their last deliverance. Hey, Lord. I'm telling you, that girl needed three stitches from the family Bible to hit her head. Well, she was delivered. Look at this. Now, check this out. Notice what happened. There's people looking at what's going on. Hear me? There's people looking at, at them laying hands on them. Okay? Just like this. Just like if we called out Donna or something or Miss Ruby. Whoever we call out, there's people looking on at the laying on of hands. So they're watching him. Now check this out. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem, I done read that. Let's go to verse uh, 17. Then they laid hands on them. And now look, they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Right? Saying, give me this power also that anyone whom I lay my hands on will receive the Holy Spirit. So there had to be an outward demonstration of the inward reality that was happening. Why does people fall out? I don't understand it. But I know this, that I'm telling you that I have not, not probably maybe one or two times corporately, but I have had several times privately that the Spirit of God has come upon me and I was gasping for breath and thought I would die if He did not remove His hand. That's why I have an issue with people talking about they have been in the glory. You, you ain't been in no glory. Show me a count in the Bible. I'm just, don't listen to what somebody says. Look at the Bible. Anytime glory manifests in the Bible, they were not standing. The accounts that I have read of glory. One happened to Jesse Duplantis in 1988. And when he walked into the back corner of the building, the whole building collapsed. The people in it fell down. Moses, 
in an old glory had to veil his face so that the people could not see him. If you are in the Shekinah glory of God, you will touch people in a wheelchair and they will rise. What we are in is the anointing which enables us to do what we cannot do. And I've been in some strong anointing. But I don't know that I've ever touched the glory. I'm just, maybe someone can help me. But if you're in the glory, I promise you, you will walk by the cripple and they will walk. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The glory you will not stand because you will, I'm telling you, there will no flesh glory in his sight. One man cried out to see the glory in the Old Testament, right? Was it not? Exodus 33, Moses, he had to be hid in the cleft. Most people think that God showed him his glory, but he did not show him his glory at that moment. He showed him the past, which is how he wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. When did Moses see the glory? It was 1,500 years after his prayer. 1,500 years after his prayer, God remembers Moses and said, you know what, I promised you I'd show you my glory. (laughs) So he pulls him up on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, and Jesus is revealed. He said, that's my glory. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost up in him. So look, it will look like something. You won't stand there when the the infilling of the presence, you will not stand there like this. There will be a sign that my God, something just came upon that person. And here is the number one sign. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 10 and 6, when the ram's horn went upon Samuel, it says that he was turned into another man. All right. Can you give me, it's 11.42. I know that I'm preaching a lot. I know I've been preaching about 45, uh, 40 minutes. I know I'm giving you a lot of word. But let's go right here. I'm going to go through these real quick, okay? I'm going to go through these real quick. Acts chapter 9. Look at this. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he, if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now look at this. And he said, who are you, Lord? Nobody was standing there saying, listen, Saul, i got to take you down Romans Road. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 8, 9, and 10. Romans Road. How many's been taken down the Romans Road? We messed, we jacked people up trying to take them down the Romans Road. Oh, yeah. Now look at he said. He said, Who are you, Lord? Listen, at this point, he recognizes the Lordship of Jesus, and he's got to have him. I'm telling you right now, he's born again. Boom. Right at this moment. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. 
And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and with his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drink. Now he's, if, if you fasting and praying, how many knows you just got born again? Now there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Hear my Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. Now let me just stop right here. This is so much I cannot, I'm telling you. How is all of this happening? This is happening through the Holy Spirit. If you ever see how great it is, I promise you, your Christian life will never be dull. And in a vision, look at this, in a vision he's seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he may receive his sight. Then Ananias' answer said, Lord, I've heard many things about this dude. How much harm is done to your saints in Jerusalem? And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said, go for, go for he is my chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. I'm showing you all this to show you that Saul is now converted. He is a Christian. He's got a call on his life to go be an example to the Gentiles, but he don't have an ounce of power to do what God's commanding him to do. He doesn't have the power to do what he's called to do, so he's got to have Ananias to go down there and see that he's endued with power. Now, how does Ananias know he's converted? Because he just told him, hey, he's different now. Go down there. Now, notice how he approaches him. And when Ananias went his way and entered the house, laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road and as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. Now, no account in this do we see that he's baptized with the Spirit. I mean, he he, he is baptized, but we don't see the account of where he spoke in tongues or prophesied. So did Paul speak in tongues? Church, I'm asking you a question. Did Paul speak in tongues? 1 Corinthians 14, 28 says, I, Paul, am glad that I speak in tongues more than you all. All right. Let's go to Acts. <clears throat> Listen to this. I'm going to finish this up for the sake of time to get us out because I don't want to give you so much information that you just can't process it all. I'm going to finish this up right here. We'll start back maybe Wednesday night right here. This is the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. This one will show you. Acts chapter 10 is the next count. Peter is lodging with a dude. He goes up, do some sun tanning, prayer on top of the house. Now, there's a man by the name of Cornelius that is a Gentile. The Gentiles do not have the gospel preached to them at this point. Are you with me? You and I are a Gentile, not a Jew. God came for the Jews. Are you all with me? Galatians says that by we've been grafted into one new man. 
Now there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. But he came for the Jews. He came for his own people. And his own people rejected him and did not receive him. That's why he went to the Gentiles. Now Peter is a Jew. He ain't worried about preaching to the Gentiles. Matter of fact, it's unlawful for him to go into to enter into a, a Jewish man to enter into a Gentile's man's house. Are you with me? So he's up there praying, and in this prayer, he sees a sheet falling down. And in the sheet that falls down from heaven, he sees all kind of unclean animals, such as pork. Thank God for them spare ribs right now. My Jesus, boy, I fed him right there on some ribs. I'm hungry. If he'd close this thing down, boys, we're going to eat somewhere. Listen, so he's up there praying, and he sees a sheet, and Peter's, and God tells Peter, rise up, kill, and eat it. He said, Lord, my gosh, I'm in the flesh. For, Lord, you know that no, no unclean thing has ever touched my lip. So he goes back into prayer. God drops the sheet again. He sees it again. The Lord says, Peter, rise up, kill, and eat. I ain't eat no spare ribs, God. Now, at the same time, there's a Gentile man down here praying and fasting, seeking God. And God tells him, listen, there's a man down there lodging at Joppa, and his name is Simon Peter. Go get him and bring him back. He's going he's to tell you what you need to know. The third time he drops it down. Why is God showing him the vision? He's not trying to tell him he can eat, he can eat pork. It don't got a hill of beans to do whether what you eat. What he's trying to tell him, listen, there's going to come a man to your house that you're going to consider unclean. I'm showing you in a vision right now that he's not unclean. That I'm about to go to the Gentiles because the Jews won't heed the message that you're carrying. Man, I'm telling you. So Peter, they come down and say, listen, come to our house. So he goes to Cornelius' house. The first thing he tells Cornelius, you know it's unlawful for me to be here. I'm telling you right now, close all the blinds. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a church of God pastor going to a Baptist pastor's house. Close all the blinds. We ain't supposed to be here. We all on the same team. So he goes up in his house and he says, listen. It's unlawful for me to be here. Now check this out. I, if you was a raised Pentecostal boy, we got the three-step program in the Pentecostal church. You get saved, then you get sanctified. That means it may take you a year or so to quit smoking, cussing, talking about people, overeating, and all this. Y'all ain't up in here. Listen, am I the only one raised holiness up in here? You got a three-step process. You save, sanctify, and fill the Holy Ghost. You can always tell a holiness person, this is what they're going to say. I was saved in 1968. I, I was sanctified in 69 and filled with the Holy Ghost around 1970. Is that the way we, that's the way they done it. At our church, we had testimony service. The first thing we're going to stand up and say, you're going to say the year you were saved, you're going to say the year you were sanctified, and the year you was filled with the Holy Ghost. So Peter is trying to tell him. He's going down there with a three-step program. He's trying to get him saved. Now here's where, the the here's where the theological boom hits. He doesn't even lead them to Jesus, and the power of God falls on them. Wow. Go home and read it in Acts chapter 10. We're going to close right here. 
He doesn't even lead them to Jesus and the power of God falls on them and they start speaking in tongues. I'll tell you why I believe that. I believe God showed up like that because He knew that Peter didn't have the faith to believe that they could receive it. And he blew his faith out of the water and his theology out of the water first. And so when Peter saw it by experience, he said, I can tell you right now, who in here can argue the fact that this is not for them also? So after they speak it in tongues and fill with the Spirit, Peter says, you know what, we better do this thing legal. Here, y'all say the prayer with me so we know we got it all right. He leads them to salvation, baptizes them in water, and then they move on. I know I preached a lot to you, but listen to me. I'm fixing to close it out right here. Let me tell you how awesome this thing is called the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you a modern day, well, about 50 years ago, further than that now, 1947, 46. There's a man seeking God in Jeffersonville, Indiana. He's inside of a cave, and he's asking God. He's a missionary Baptist pastor, and he's having unusual signs and wonders happen to him. And he goes to his leadership, and his leadership says this, Man, you're crazy. I don't even know those things are real. Listen, if, I, if, if, if it's in the life of Jesus, it needs to be in your life. It's awful quiet in this room. And if it's, if it's not in your life, quit making excuses because he did that as God because the deal is we won't rearrange our lives to get our lives like that. Because in the, in the Bible Belt, what she was preaching about this morning, what we do is we try to adjust the Bible to fit our lives instead of adjusting our lives to fit the Word of God. The Word of God is set like stone, friend. Hear me? Change your life to get in it. That means I may have to change my TV programming. Oh, well, you don't get off. He's praying. People tell him he's crazy. Listen, I'm going to stop this. To your own testimony, you was praying about where to go to church. You, you wasn't getting, you just feel like it wasn't happening at your church. So you had a guy come by your place, you started asking him about where to go to church, right? And he said, well, there's just one church in town. People calls it a cult and it's crazy. He said, I'm telling you right now, that's the very place you need to be at. Because if you go into a place that believes in what I'm talking about, other people that won't rearrange their life, the churches are frozen to talk about people like that. But when they get sick, they don't haul them down there to the church of the frozen. They cross the tracks and get over there where the crazy people is. Oh, I better quit. Listen, i got to quit right here. I'm telling tell you this story. See, he's praying. 1946, he's in a cave in the middle of the night. He's been about three to four days with no food, just water. And a ball of fire enters into the cave. And as the ball of fire enters into this cave, a man steps out of the ball of fire. And as the man steps out of the ball of fire and he says this, he said, know this, that I've put a healing ministry upon your life. It'll be a sign and a wonder that will come upon the church in the last days. If you'll be faithful in your walk with me, there'll come a day you will judge the very intents of men's hearts and step back in the fire. So he goes back. Now think about this. Now you done said that you're hearing the voice of God and you went to your leadership. Now go tell him a man stepped out of the ball of fire. He kept that one to himself. At this point, 200 miles upriver in Paducah, Kentucky, there's a man dying with a disease. 
The doctor has give him up. He's got just enough strength to get on a boat. I mean, on a on a bus. That night before he gets on a bus, he has a vision. And in a vision in Paducah, Kentucky, a ball of fire enters the room. A man steps out of the ball of fire and says this, rise up and get to Jeffersonville, Indiana. There's a man by the name of Branham there. Have him to lay hands upon you and you will be healed for I have placed a healing anointing upon his life. This is the Bible happening. I know, I know I preach a lot. Listen, the Bible says in John 1 verse 14 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible has to start becoming flesh. In our flesh, dwelling among us. Man gets off, there's, there's, there's William Brandon walking into the thing, into a, a drugstore to buy some more uh, nipples to go in a bottle. Man steps out, he's an electrician, and he's a game warden. He's in his game warden uniform, got a revolver on his side. The man steps off the bus, looks like he's very intently at him. He said, I know this dude ain't trying to jump me or rob me. He's got to see my revolver hanging on my side. And so he asked him this. He said that God said, no, he said, where's a person by the name of Branham? His mother ran like a bed and breakfast or a little hotel inn or something. He said, oh, you're looking for that down there. He said, no, I'm looking for a man. And he said, because two days ago, I was in prayer. He said, I'm dying. And he said, a man stepped out of a ball of fire and told me to come to Jeffersonville, Indiana. There'd be a man by the name of Branham. That, that, and he said, this man said that he had met you and said that there was a healing anointing upon your life. When Branham stopped in his tracks, he prayed for him right there, a real simple prayer, and that disease dried up in his life at that moment. And that sparked the 1946, 47, 48, 49, and the Voice of Healing Revival, which Earl Robertson, A.A. Allen, all of them came up out of that movement. God wants to use us in this type of way. You are on your job to be a representative of the kingdom of God. We are called strangers in this land, right? What happens to our ambassador over in India? I remember getting off a plane, coming outside of Bombay, going on a little bus, and all of a sudden it looked like the Ritz-Carlton. Everything else looked like dirt, and then theirs looked like the Ritz-Carlton. And I said, what is that? They said, that's our U.S. Embassy. Now let me ask you something. At the U.S. Embassy, do you think that they're living like, do you think that they're living like Bombay, or do you think they're living like the U.S.? He's over in that country as a representative of this country. You are strangers in this land, foreigners, only living here for a moment. James calls a vapor of time. You're to live as heaven's representative on this earth. You've got dual citizenship right now. I'm on the earth, but I'm not of it. Paul said we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm just caught up between two realms. Are you with me? Stand to your feet. Lord, I dumped a lot on you. Why are you preaching this preacher? Because I said we're a spirit-filled church. I want you to know what that means. I want you to know what that means. That don't mean we're crazy snake handlers, uh, strict nine drinking. That means we know who the Holy Spirit is. He's a person, friend. He's a real, it's the, it's the Godhead on the earth at work in our lives. I want you to know what it means. I tell you what, I'm going to do a whole message on tongues. If you want to know about tongues... Tongues should not be scaring us. If you say you're scared of it, then 
and you go up there to do some business and somebody speaks his Oh my God, he spoke his Spanish. And let me say this, you need to speak in tongues. Whoever told you didn't told you a story. Well, you know that that's do you know that tongues is done away with, Pastor? I'm sorry, you didn't know that. You know, Paul said, whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Don't slice and dice the word. He also said, whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. And whether they shall knowledge, it shall cease. You have to be an idiot in this room, pardon my French, to believe that knowledge has ceased. If you can't say, you cannot dice out what you don't want to believe. Paul said to lust after the spiritual gifts. What tongues is a lesser gift? Any gift from God, there's nothing less about it. Touch your neighbor on the shoulder. Father, I thank you today. I thank you, Lord, for the word of God that has been sown in our lives today. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you right now. I thank you for the power of the Word of God. I thank you for it being sown right now like seed. I feel like there's just been tremendous seed. I feel the Spirit of God right now. There's tremendous seed been broadcasted in this room right now. And I'm asking by the power of the Spirit that you would reign over this Word right now. And it would just be drenched and drilled like seed drilling into the heart of every person in this room right now. We would realize that we need to be empowered by the Spirit of God if we're ever going to make a difference in in. in in, in society, in our communities, in our lives. If our lives are ever going to change, we're going to have to be empowered by the Spirit of God. And I'm asking just as in Acts 2, it failed and it, I mean, it saturated the people. We're asking right now that you would saturate our lives, that you would saturate our communities with the power of God, that you would empower us to do what they said cannot be done. We would believe, we would be a people that believe for the impossible because all things are possible with God and to them that believe. Give us a culture of people, God, who believe that anything is possible to them that believe. We thank you for it right now. Now, tell, now I, want you, I want you to just lift your hands and say this. The Word of God is alive in my heart right now. What has been sown into me this morning will become revelation and activation in my life. I am filled with heaven. My hands will heal the sick. My words will break chains off of people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We'll see you Wednesday night.